All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, our one-year anniversary special episode 52 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. We thank all of you out there, all of our fellow creatures of the night, for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio, of course, one of your co-hosts. At Alex Dorio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I am joined, as always, by my best friend, my buddy, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Mr. Travis White, on the line on Skype. And Travis, we are about to kick off the deadly game tonight. And my man, you keep playing games with me. You were uh, hanging out with Vince Russo a couple weeks ago and this past week. You've been flirting with Tony Schiavone, with Bruce Prichard, Conrad Thompson. What, what's the deal, man? What, what are these games <laughs> that you played with me? Are we, uh, we going to do another year of Talk of Taker? Are you jumping off just join Conrad for another show? What's going on? I'm trying to build the brand, man. I'm trying uh, to build the brand. Yes, okay. I I did have an appearance. My name had to, and my question had an appearance on the Something to Wrestle from, uh, which one was that? That was, oh, SummerSlam 97, yeah. I had asked about the ending of that main event and it was a Pat Patterson special and Bruce said, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and then Tony Schiavone called me because you, it's your fault, Tony, called me. You bought me a, a full-on Dragon Twist t-shirt for my birthday. So, three and a half months later, Tony finally called and uh, it was really cool to talk to him, man. It's been really, yeah, I've been cheating on you on podcast world with a lot of, of big-name guys. So, well, hopefully we get talking Taker out there and our numbers have gone up since I was on Russo, so that's pretty cool. I want to appreciate all our fans. It's been a year we've been doing this. I can't believe it's 52 weeks. It's crazy, which means we've done over 52 matches because we've done a video set of, you know, that has right. um, multiple matches. We've done Royal Rumble. We've had, uh, well, tonight we're going to do uh, multiple multiple matches on this one. So, yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, we've covered eight years in Undertaker's career, you know, from Survivor Series 90 to and here we are 98. So, whew, time flies, man. It does, and as you said, this is a special uh, two-for-one special here on Undertaker Matches yeah. on Talking Taker, uh, the Purple Light special, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, not to spoil anything, uh, but hopefully you're watching along with us, but you know the Undertaker is going to be in the Deadly Game Tournament for the WWF Championship at Survivor Series, and he's going to move on to have two matches in the tournament. So we're going to double up here and cover both of those. Of course, we started this podcast a year ago with the intention of going through every single Undertaker pay-per-view match, one match at a time. But, you know, when he's in two matches on one pay-per-view, it just makes sense to, to throw them in there together on one episode. Oh, yeah, people wouldn't have got their money's worth if we, we split them up because their matches are like six-minute songs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we'd have done one today and one next week, it'd have been like, well, next week would have been like four minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. hey, we don't want to give do you... that to you. Yeah, we want to give you your money's worth, even when it's free. <laughs> exactly. Get the value out of it. Exactly. And we do, free 99. We, uh, we said it a couple weeks ago on our 50th episode, but we just appreciate every single one of you out there who's listening, every one of you who has retweeted who has liked who has shared who has spread the word about talking taker uh means a means the world to us and we thank you for following along with us on twitter facebook instagram at talking taker and all the different 
uh, profiles out there. We've got some tweets I'm going to read later on. Uh, we, we love to interact with everybody about these shows. Uh, we love hearing your comments on them. And uh, it's fun. It's fun out there on all the social media. So if you're not following us on all of them, uh, we do post different content out there on all the different platforms. So uh, unless you're Twitter, it's Travis and you refuse hey, yeah. <laughs> to follow us. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, though. <laughs> you are, man. Uh, Instagram was Travis, too, but that doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, it's not as cool. So. <laughs> but, it's cool. you know, uh, back in 1998, of course, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was just America Online and <laughs> <laughs> Netscape, Netgear. Uh, Netscape Navigator, yeah, I remember using that at, at middle school. Phew. And that's the world we're traveling back to as we... Guess up the old time-traveling hearse and travel back to October of 1998, where we're going to kick off the build-up to Survivor Series 1998. And we last left off on our last episode with the WWF Championship again in limbo, in abeyance, however you want to say it. It's continued to be held up after Undertaker and Kane went to a no contest, and Stone Cold, the special guest referee, somehow won the match, according to (laughs) himself. (laughs) But, unfortunately for Stone Cold, he did run amok of Vince McMahon's stipulations and was fired at the end of Judgment Day, which doesn't do us any good for the WWF Championship, but we're going to try to address that here on the Raw after Judgment Day, October 19th, 1998. So let's pick up with what's going on in the world of Undertaker and Kane right here. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, I don't have this in my notes, but I was just just off the top of my head when you said that, you know, the title's been held up again. It's that's two months basically, you know, because it's not gonna get settled till we get to the pay-per-view here. So two months at the height of the Attitude Era, Monday Night Wars, they're competing, going back and forth in ratings, WCW and WF. They don't even have a champion. Right. So how crazy is that? I think so. Michael Cole mentions on on the pay-per-view that it's the longest there's mm-hmm. ever been without a champion up to that point. I don't know if it's yeah. been longer since then, but uh, they said it was up to this point. Yeah, it's just really neat that, you know, they didn't even care at the height of the attitude because everything they did was working. And we'll we'll see, you know, a st- statistic later on in one of these episodes of Raw about the ratings and stuff. So, but anyway, yeah, this Raw, we're here. Um, the show opens, this is Raw 282 on October 19th, so the night after Judgment Day. So the show opens, we got music playing. It's horrible, like carnival music. <laughs> and then this confetti's falling, black balloons. Uh, was that Goo Goo Doll song big at this point, or was that not yet? It was, was probably that, right around that time. <laughs> yeah, it was the time of Iris was popular. I remember that song was popular yeah, in 98. It's so. the same album, I think. Sure, they could have played Black Balloon at this point. So anyway. Dizzy up and the girl. Lit- yeah, exactly. And uh, literally every single WWF wrestler, not superstar, makes their way to the ring. And But noticeably absent are our demonic duo here, the Brothers of Destruction. They're and, in the um, back listening to Goo Goo Dolls. They <laughs> must have been yes. bumping up later. So um, in a serious note, I do want to mention, though, our condolences to, to Jerry Lawler because Brian Christopher is one of the first people you see walking down to the ring here. And um, the King has been a huge part of this podcast uh, the last – you know, I don't know, 14, 25 episodes. You know, he's been in our in our ears and in our, our minds. And so he's going to be going forward. So we just want to wish him and his family well, you know, going forward. So that's, you know, it's kind of all we need to say about that, I guess. So, yeah. You, you got know, anything to say? Just, I, I really loved Brian Christopher. Uh, I thought yeah. I always thought he was really underrated. Uh, I was a huge, I mentioned a couple weeks ago on the show, I was kind of a mark for 
too cool, too much. Yes, she were before they were too cool, and you know everybody loved too cool during the Attitude Era. Uh, you know they were yeah. they, they were the coolest. <laughs> they they were they were cheesy and goofy, but you loved them. And Brian Christopher was always a great talent. And I mean, you know, no one should leave this world this way the way that he did. It's it's a real travesty and tragedy and a shame. And yeah, of course our condolences go out to the king and, and to all of Brian Christopher's family and fans. Of course, it's, it's yeah. just a shame. Uh, it's happens too much, uh, especially in the wrestling business. So uh, it's, it's a shame. And no one else is a shame is that apparently Vince McMahon, so he comes out here in this ring and he's going to talk about how at survivor series is going to be a 16 man tournament, one night tournament, which according to Pritchard, like literally every time they talk about it on their podcast, he says how Vince hates hates tournaments, which is why they got rid of King of the Ring. So I was, you know, knowing that in hindsight now, going back, it's like it's weird that he would put, you know, one of the big five pay-per-views or big four, whatever, like as this, you know, going to do this tournament. But it's cool. Yeah, I, it's, I dig it. It's a really cool show, um, the way it's going to wind up. But anyway, he says they're going to crown the undisputed WWF champion. So does that throw a wrench into Chris Jericho's claim to be in the first? Ah, good. <laughs> That's right. He needs to go back and watch this. <laughs> he does. He does. So, um, yeah, he's you know he announces that and and uh, basically he doesn't name anybody that's going to be in it, but you can pretty much tell. And then there's some some people who you can't tell are going to be in it, but we'll mention them later on. But basically, there's a thread throughout the night. And I'll let you take it from here about what the thread is of this story throughout the night. So. Of course, if you remember things and you were watching it this time, this is the infamous episode of Raw where Austin is fired, but he shows up to the arena going hunting for Vince McMahon. He's got his hunting knife, and he ends up with a, with a gun as well, and there are just countless vignettes and backstage scenes as Austin ends up kidnapping Vince McMahon and... Um, <laughs> You know that you know. This is where we we end the show in the ring with Austin and McMahon, and Austin pointing a gun to Vince McMahon's head, making him beg for his life, squeal like a pig, and the when he goes to shoot the gun, the flag comes out that says "Bang 316," and Vince McMahon pieces pants uh, to end an episode of Raw. Yeah, he does his best Miles Davis impersonation. You know, they say. If you want to be peeing your pants is cool because it'd be Miles Davis. That's exactly. a little Billy Madison, Billy Madison quote there. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's man, it's so weird. Like, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. We gun. don't need That's to spend Austin too much talking about it. Time talking about it. I, I'm sure a lot of people love it and think this is one of their favorite Attitude Era moments. I think for me and you both, uh, it's not ours. Yeah. I think, <laughs> um, and you know not begrudging anybody that enjoys it. I mean, everybody's got their different tastes. For me, I think it takes it too much to a cartoonish level. And I know some of sure. our listeners will be like, well, you're talking about The Undertaker. <laughs> of course, yeah. yes. And again, we just go there with The Undertaker. I'm fine with going there with The Undertaker. It's fine. Yeah. And I'm fine going there with Austin sometimes too. Like the past three weeks, he's been driving a Zamboni and driving a cement truck. And, and I'm good with that. I'm good with him torturing this man by destroying his his property and, and sure. destroying his car and, <clears throat> and interrupting moments on on raw it's another level where he's threatening him with a gun and <laughs> yeah. and also we're we're just it's all to get to a point where mr man pees his pants i mean yeah <laughs> how childish can you get it's 
Vince and Austin have basically turned into Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd at this point. <laughs> and I don't know. There's still some great Austin McMahon moments to come, but this one, sure. not my favorite. <clears throat> oh, yeah, me neither. So, um, but yeah, that's a thread to this show. Just to get you guys <clears throat> they're listening, you know, if you remember that show, that's what show we're on. So, um, but later on, Dylan would take her. He comes out to a, a pretty good pop still, even though, you know, he's reunited with Bear the night before. And, I mean, he's got Paul Bear by his side, and he's got that cloak on that has the high collar. Um, but it's folded down. But we haven't seen it in a little while. But Paul Bear, for the first time, you know, in two years, walking out with him. So that's well, kind of since, a big deal. Since last summer, 97. They were together for a little bit, mid-97. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. 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 Yeah, controlling him, trying to uh, using him, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a sight to see. It's the first time they've been on the same page in a long time. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, well, Taker cuts a pretty crazy promo here, and and we get the first utterances of some words that are going to be a very important part of this podcast for the next few weeks of episodes, as the Undertaker says that. Brother, Paul has come home to lead my ministry of darkness. And I'm sure that there's those who can't understand because they have no vision how I could align myself once more with such a despicable evil, maniacal individual. Well, if those aren't reasons enough, I don't guess I can explain it any better. The first time we hear the Undertaker yep. utter that phrase that will go on to define the next seven or eight months of his career. Yeah, and I think you and I both say that this particular inc- incarnation of Undertaker is probably my least favorite um, the Ministry of Darkness leader guy, but we'll we'll see. It's, it'll be nice to relive it coming up here. But, That's uh, exactly what I was thinking. I, I'm ready to view it with different lens and, yeah. and see how it holds up 20 years later because, yeah, in 99, I don't have such super fond memories of a lot of stuff from 1999. I know it's obviously one of the most popular years, but I remember really loving 98, really loving 2000, and 99 being... <laughs> a little too much for me, but I mean, yeah, I'm willing to give it a second chance. That's what this podcast is all about. Yeah, well, I hope so. Otherwise, I'm just talking to myself, so that'll be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, it's it's cool, man. He says, you know, Ministry of Darkness, and it's and then he goes on and says, I'm sure that there's those who can't understand because they have no vision. How could I align myself with such a despicable, evil, maniacal individual? And if those aren't reasons enough, I don't guess I can explain it any better. Which and the whole time he's doing that. Paul Bear is just over there grinning like an idiot. Like he's he's soaking up like these negative attributes that Undertaker's talking about him. So yeah. I love I love seeing Bear back. So look well, at Smug. We're seeing Undertaker focused on success, focused yeah. on winning back the WWF championship, becoming the most powerful person. And and that's sort of an evolution we've seen since really like early ninety seven when he first kind of mm-hmm. started cutting promos about that. So that thread that continuing to play into that. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, he says, Undertaker says, Paul Bear has allowed me to clear my head, refocus on what it is that I'm here for. He goes on to say, now, what we have here is the beginning of a new era. We will unleash the, our Ministry of Darkness, which is going to be a plague, which the WWF has never seen, 
nor will it ever be understood amongst those who do not relish in the darkness. And those of you who do not declare shall be declared. So, <laughs> I was like, what happened there? Kicked his leg out of his leg. That, that's exactly. what a promo. <laughs> yeah, one of those promos. It was almost like Bray Wyatt twelve years beforehand. Uh, yeah, it was. I don't know what he meant by that, but anyway, we'll see what it means no to idea. declare or not declare. You know, <laughs> Und- stay tuned. It will not be undeclared. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, but then um, Paul Bear gets on the stick and he's like, Kane, I used you, boy. So, uh, yeah, he talks about how he took care of Kane like a pet, like a little dog on a leash. Um, and uh, he kind of had the final straw because he says Kane was weak and stupid and you can't even speak for yourself. And you turned your back on me twice and once was eight weeks ago. And then last night you turned on me and he says he'll never have any use for him ever again. And since he doesn't understand the darkness. So pretty bold words and pretty quick change of pace for Paul Bear's mind. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> I don't really know if they really I, – I buy Undertaker's reasoning. Uh, yes. Paul Bear's reasoning is a little bit questionable here, but yes. we'll go with it. Uh, because then Undertaker is going to drop a huge bombshell here when he basically admits – after all this time, to being the one that set the fire at the funeral home. He tells Kane to listen close. I set that fire. What? And I set it because you were weak as a child. And you're weak now. And we have no room for the weak. Only the strong shall survive. After all this time of of Paul Bearer calling him a liar, of, of Kane coming after him, Undertaker finally admits that, yep, it was I who did it, which is crazy. That's a crazy uh, new road for Undertaker to travel down. That's definitely going to turn him heel. <clears throat> Absolutely, and basically he just admitted to attempted homicide on national television. <laughs> so they should have got those cops and those canines to come arrest him. But um, thanks. So. Yeah, but yeah, it's ser- in all seriousness, so I guess a new – New chapter in this book, man, the Undertaker's writing, you know, a whole new story because he, yeah, he's admitting to try to kill his brother as a child. So, yeah, I'd say he's, I'd say he's a heel at this point, even though he still gets kind of mixed reactions for the while. He'll turn full heel soon, but, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty big, pretty big deal to admit that. So, and it's, and then basically, gonna, oh, go they're going to kind of start, so they were kind of teasing <clears throat> a little bit in the match last night, but they're going to, Start the process of turning Kane babyface here. Yeah, he comes out with a triple deep, triple wide casket. It's enormous. It's huge. Yeah. So, and he says, um, oh, <clears throat> if you will, allow me. He says, <clears throat> you and I tonight, casket match, and brother, you will rest in peace. Although, I will admit, Bravo. the little voice modulator doesn't do so well in the first like sentence he says. It's no, a little he, bit off. You can kind of hear Glenn Jacobs. So. Yeah, he didn't have it tuned in the right way. Yeah. I don't know how it works. but I hope he uses that in Knoxville. When he's like, and now that he's mayor, <laughs> what if he uses that thing to speak with? Oh. He just doesn't keep kayfabe anymore, man. Exactly. Um, but anyway, I wanted to say that, um, yeah, he comes out with this huge casket. So that means he's waiting backstage, speaking of kayfabe, with a giant <laughs> casket. Like, no matter what Undertaker's going to say, he was going to come out with this giant casket, I guess. So, Well, you know, um, that's where Undertaker lived, we found out. That's true. Uh, way back when Thanks. Diesel destroyed his home <laughs> back there. So maybe it's very true. that's what Kane travels in. I, I don't know. 
Very true. Like, Very true. That's a great point. He yeah. had to make sure to ship that <laughs> casket to wherever this episode of Raw was. Uh, yeah. And they do have our first ever casket match on free TV. Yeah, this big episode deal. Of Raw. Yeah, huge deal. It's been well, saved for pay-per-view all these times. Uh, we think it's a big deal until we see what actually happens. <laughs> yeah, it is just, uh, you know, five minutes of a whole lot of nothing, really. There's not even much to talk about. They... They both end up going in the casket, and I think the big thing they were trying to go for, they thought it would be really cool for them to both be fighting in the casket and sort of fight out of it, kick through the walls and the doors of it. But it just kind of looks awkward and strange as they kick through it and bust out of it. And then they don't really know what to do from there. Yeah, well, the whole thing is kind of cursed from the beginning because Undertaker hits a clothesline and goes for a pinfall. Like yeah, he does. for no in the, in the ring, and I was like, "Whoops!" But then, like when, they, like you said, when they both get in the casket, <clears throat> you can literally hear Undertaker out out loud say to Jimmy Corderas and Tim White, "Let it close." And when they when he and Kane fall, they just hold the thing open. So you see him reach up with his hand and pull the like lid down. So this thing was, uh, as they say, snake bit from the get go. So um, yeah. Then they bust out of it and they just kind of fight for a second, and then um. Kane chases Paul Bear up the aisle, and and then as he's staring at himself walking up the aisle on the Titantron, and you see Undertaker running up behind him with a chair, you see Undertaker hit him. But like I'm like, Kane was just looking at the Titantron. Why didn't you see Undertaker behind him attack him? He should have turned around. But um, anyway, I have no idea what happened. Well, you can only see out of one eye. That's true. It's true. True. My bad. My apologies, Kane. So yeah, but the crowd boos all this as they head backstage. They want to see a casket match. So. Um, it's kind of a waste of time. So it is, and unfortunately, the Kane Undertaker feud is is kind of running out of steam here. You know, they've been fighting all year, and this is yeah. It, it, we're, we're they're going to fight again at Survivor Series, and again, it's going to kind of lack the same luster that it's had some of these other times. So yeah, it, this was just a weird, weird waste of time on this, and it didn't really lead to anything. So uh, odd booking here, odd. Uh, odd moment in there that could could have been something cool, but uh, unfortunately, not much to it besides that. So we're gonna jump ahead in the build up to let's touch on Raw the next week on October 26th. Just another small little thing in here as we find out that Kane has officially been entered into the Deadly Game tournament mm-hmm. uh, on this episode of Raw. Uh, we don't know who he's gonna face quite yet at this point. This is, of course, the famous Raw where Motley Crue performs. Uh, Tess is a roadie, isn't he? Isn't Tess yeah, that's where Tess debuts. Yeah. And they got the rights to Motley Crue, but we don't have the rights to Highway to Hell. <laughs> really? Oh, something's wrong there. Seriously. Nobody needs Tommy Lee. We I'd do rather not have... need Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah. Unfreaking believable. Uh, uh, well, ugh, is what it is. Uh, Kane is going to end up fighting Gangrel on this episode of Raw, which is, you know, I, it just made me wonder, I mean, it's kind of a shame we never got an Undertaker Gangrel feature. Yeah, I could, That could have been kind of cool. I mean, Gangrel, I mean, he was... He, I loved it. I, I loved it, too. He wasn't a great wrestler, but the, no. the brood and the bloodbaths and everything, it was awesome. And the entrance is the best. And that, that, that sound, that entrance music, man, it sounded like NBA Jam at the beginning when it started out, ding! That was the same music from NBA Jam. Uh, But anyway, that entrance with the fire and everything, it was so good. There was nothing cooler, dude. 
No, nothing at all. Plus, Edge and Christian were awesome. You know, everybody loved them. So, yeah, great but look. yeah, this this is the night where Edge turns and joins Gangrel and Christian to form the Brood. Like, he beats down Kane. So again, we're touching on Kane because he's going to be an opponent at the at Survivor Series. But then also Shane is revealed to have hired back Steve Austin this night, and that only matters because of the pay per view. It's the only reason I want to mention it because some stuff that happens at Deadly Games pay per view. So, and then. By the end of that night, we find out that Rock, Shamrock, Kane, Al Snow, and Mankind are all in the Daily Games tournament. So, yes, I did say Al Snow. <laughs> <laughs> so. There are some questionable entries into this tournament. A few other ones that we'll get to along the way. But um, just an interesting stat about this episode of Raw, probably more interesting than anything that happened on it, is yeah. that this episode of Raw on October 26th is the last time that Raw ever lost to Monday Nitro in the head-to-head ratings war. So this is uh, not the end of 83 weeks. The end of 83 weeks happened back in April. But you know, right. they traded some wins back and forth, as we've mentioned. But this one right here is going to be the last one. And did you did you look up what was on that episode of Nitro? I didn't see um, what I did, but I didn't write it down in my notes. I looked yeah. it up and saw – I can't remember what it was, though, off the top of my head. But was yeah, this it was, the one I mean, where they showed the Halloween Havoc main event? Goldberg DDP. Mm, I think that was the week before that 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 beat, um, or maybe no, I guess it wouldn't have been. The week. I don't know, maybe been this one. I can't remember. But yeah, one of these right in here they showed the Halloween Havoc match. You know, Goldberg DDP. But yeah, I wish I had that in my notes. But anyway. But it's just an interesting, you know, like we we've talked a lot. We've, we've talked a lot about the state of the business right now. Uh, or yeah. We, on this show uh, as we've gone through the different episodes. So again, the WWF is surging at this point. Stone Cold is on fire. The feud with Mr. McMahon is on fire. And as we've talked about, Undertaker and Kane is an underrated part of that. It's been a huge thread going on, especially on Monday Night Raw. It's been the main B story here. And of course the rock is taken off too. We can't discredit that, but you know, the Undertaker and Kane are right in there a major part of the WWF surge and dominance and putting WCW out of business. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, um, oh yeah, I'm looking up the main event of Nitro that night was, um, Booker T and Lex Luger. And then they recapped the Piper Hogan confrontation from Halloween Havoc. So yeah, I don't blame people for not watching. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was not a great episode of raw, uh, all things considered. Uh, but I tell you what, the next uh, week on Sunday Night Heat, we get something quite memorable happening that we can talk about. Oh, goodness, man. This is Heat episode 14. Yeah, November 1st, 98. The main event of Heat is once again the Godfather, Charles White, in a different, or Charles Wright, in a different, you know, uh, moniker here as the Godfather versus the Undertaker. So I did not see that coming. What a match! <laughs> One of the most storied rivalries. I didn't realize. I know. <laughs> had so many matches against each other, and yeah. I love these episodes of Heat where the main event happens, and you look at the timestamp, and there's about three minutes left. Yeah. On the episode. <laughs> yeah. But man, mm. this is right in the midst of the Godfather doing his gimmick, where he will offer his ladies to his fellow performer to try to get out of the match and you know he knows the undertaker well the godfather says he says but i know you too man i've known you for a long time and i know that you like hopes wow well now wait a minute 
Don't make me go back to dates because you know you're like hoes. <laughs> to the Undertaker, <laughs> which is something I would never think to say. <laughs> Undertaker's just giving him the death stare the whole time. Uh, his godfather tries to talk him into this and he says, You know, Undertaker, if you want to show the world that not everything is dead about you, you could take my offer here. So, implying that the Undertaker needs Blue Chew. Not, whoa, were they a sponsor? <laughs> uh, they're not our sponsor. Not okay. yet. <laughs> Oh, but speaking of that, uh, Undertaker just starts having a blast and just goes beating, like, going nuts at Godfather here. So, um, yeah, I didn't intend to pun that there, but I had that in my notes that, <laughs> that way. So, but he, and he well, that starts sets him the, off, yeah. Exactly. He starts attacking the referees and goes to Tombstone the Godfather. And then Kane's music hits, and um, you know, as, as Heat's going off, he, Kane's apparently taking a page out of Sting's book, and he's in the rafters. As fire shoots out of the ring post. So why? <laughs> why is he in the rafters? <laughs> I have no idea. Why did he have a casket two weeks ago? Why is he in the rafters? Uh, I don't know. See, when when Sting was in the rafters, it made sense storyline wise. You know, he was he wasn't with WCW. He wasn't with NWO. He was his own on you know his own island. But uh, this doesn't make any sense. But it makes a cool visual at least. It does. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to take us to the next night on Raw, November 2nd, as we continue to build up uh, to the pay-per-view. This is Kane's night. This is Kane's this night This is the Kane Raw. show. This is an episode of Raising Kane right here. Exactly. Go ahead. That's what he's going to be doing all night long. This is the, uh, you know, the, the Vince Russo special that we've seen so many times where <laughs> Undertaker or Kane is going to interrupt 10 different matches on this night. He... <laughs> Delivers choke slams to DX. Delivers choke slams to the Brood. He delivers a choke slam to a real man's man, Stephen Regal. Gives a choke oh. slam to Goldust. Tries to choke slam a quote unquote pregnant Terry Runnels, but thinks better of it and then gives a choke slam to Tony Gurria instead. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is, deserved it. <laughs> oh, uh, Tony Gurria always deserves a choke slam. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd choke slam if I saw him. <laughs> Right this now. one to the yeah. headbangers, to Mark Henry, <clears throat> D'Lo Brown. He's giving out choke slams like they're going out of style. Oh, yeah. He's handing them out, man. Just anybody that wants one or doesn't want one. He's just getting them. Yeah, interrupting so many matches. And, um, yeah, at one point when he comes down for that headbangers and D'Lo and Henry match, <clears throat> JR says, he's got no mentor. He's got no leader. So, you know, implying that he's unhinged now. He's unleashed. He has no one to, to wrangle him in like um, Paul Bearer did. So, But he's definitely on a tear to this episode man and one thing i do want to point out too is that we actually see a graphic for the deadly games tournament and it's actually only a 14-man tournament now so kane and undertaker have been given a bye into the quarterfinals so that they will face each other um in the quarterfinals that night so i guess it's because they both kind of got screwed out of the title twice maybe so right um, yeah that's yeah. the storyline so. explanation for which i buy that you know back yeah at, it makes sense back at wrestlemania 4 uh, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant got a bye to the second yep. round of that tournament because they were kind of the last two to, to hold the title. So go, they're a little nod to that. And also, you know, you got a 16-man tournament on a pay-per-view, and back then they were only doing three-hour pay-per-views, so they're trying to condense things as well and have yeah. a few less matches. So it makes sense logistically why they would do that as well. Yeah, takes two matches off the off the pay-per-view card. Exactly. So. Which they need to take some more off, but we'll get to that in a minute. So. <laughs> uh, and this episode of Raw ends with a pretty cool segment here. Yeah. Uh, 
where a cage comes down and the big boss man ends up in the ring along with the Stooges inside the cage. And this is going to lead to Vince McMahon sort of directing the big boss man to punish the Stooges as part of what happened when Vince McMahon got kidnapped a few weeks ago. He thought the Stooges let him down and didn't protect him during that time. So Big Boss Man beats them up for a long time. <laughs> Ends up too, ripping, too long. ripping their clothes off at one point, which well, is awkward. Yeah, Vince orders him to. It's I weird. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's probably just ribbing Patterson and Briscoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell him that was going to happen. There's no way. Uh, Austin finally comes out to go after the Big Boss Man. Uh, this brawl with Big Boss Man with Austin... Shane McMahon comes in there as well. Uh, Vincent Man calls the big boss man off when Shane is in there. Uh, and Austin's kind of left for dead when The Undertaker and Paul Bearer come out to pick over his bones. Yeah, because you think Shane is on Vince's side because he winds up flicking off Vince, you know. And then, yeah, Taker comes out and he and Bear are going to enter the uh, cage and Vince, it's a close up on Vince and he grabs boss man and says, stay with me. So I just, he's so, <laughs> he's, he's so good, man. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah, take your enters the cage and he slams the door shut behind him, which, which is a cool, you know, just shows how intent he is on getting back at Austin for screwing him out of the title. So they battle back and forth for longer than I thought they, than I remembered when I watched this back. And, um, uh, JR reminds us again, that takers angry and, um, and then all of a sudden the lights go out, and we know that's Kane's music hitting. And uh, at this point, I think Lawler understands what's happening. Because, you know, we talked about in previous episodes, anytime the lights go out and the music hits, <laughs> Lawler's yeah. always like, who is that? What's but going on? He's, yeah, he's got it down now. But a cool thing that he does say, King does say, he says, who's he coming for? Ah. Which is a good, actually a good question because yeah. he's been brutalizing everyone this night. So actually I did want to give kudos to King for that comment. So um, Kane comes up on the steps and um, – Taker and Austin are like kind of looking at him and waiting for him, and Kane raises his hands and brings him down like he does to bring the fire out of the post. And instead of that, we get fire on each side of the ring cage. Really cool visual, man. I, really cool. Yeah, I, I've forgotten. I, I didn't remember that at all. Uh, and it was oh. it was really really neat. Really cool way to end the show there uh, to set the cage on fire. It's not obviously not completely on fire, but uh, right. you have some parts of it on on fire. Really cool special effect there, and the. <laughs> There's also some good, uh, they have the extra attitude on the network, and Stone Cold, after the show goes off the air, he just beats up Vince McMahon for about 10 more minutes yeah. <laughs> after, yeah. the, after the cameras are off, which is and the wheelchair. always fun to see. Yep, yep. Um, so, but another, yeah, but, go ahead. I was saying, again, the, this Kane Taker just parts of this bigger storyline, you know, they're parts of the Austin McMahon thing, so it's they obvious are. here, but it is crazy. Um, the crowd is in an absolute frenzy when all three of the guys start brawling. So that's cool to see. The crowd is just, they love all this. But, yeah, it's kind of sad to see our, our boys here kind of just taking a backseat to this overarching storyline. So It is, and, you know, we'll get into it more on the pay-per-view a little bit. But uh, another thing, real quick, I wanted to mention on this episode of Raw, we keep talking about historic moment week after week after week, all these things that you remember, whether it's, Austin and the Gun, or the Zamboni, or the Cement Truck. This episode of Raw right here, we see the debut of the Hardcore title. Vince McMahon gifts it oh, to yeah. Mankind. And, of course, the Hardcore title is going to have quite the legacy over the next four years. It only existed for four years, but a lot of memories made during that. And it's going to be a part of the Undertaker story as well. So, here's the debut of it on this episode of Raw. 
There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get to that in 2001, I think, right? That's right. When he becomes the hardcore champion. So, yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm excited to get to that stuff because that, that, that was a weird time in his career, too. I, I enjoyed it, though. But yeah, I did, too. I th- yeah, I thought he had a great run with that. It's going to be fun to watch some of those matches. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, man. I wish we'd gotten to see a real X-Pac and Undertaker match, too, which we get a little tease for on Heat and on Raw. And, uh, <coughs> yeah, talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, so Heat 15 on, on November 8th said, you know, Xbox posted face Regal, but Taker and Bear come out, and Bear's like, well, 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 what do we have here, X-Punk? And I suggest you stand back and little boy because my Undertaker has a few words, and then X-Punk snatches the mic out of his hand. Um, Dude, Paul Bear looked like someone just stole his corn dog when <laughs> Xbox stole that mic. He was so upset. <laughs> he was, he, or his plate of four brownies from Gatorade. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was angry that day, and uh, he says he respects Taker, but he, you know, he's gonna whip Bear, you know. And um, Taker attacks Xbox and choke slams him, and says, and then uh, I guess we'll just talk about this later, little boy. Is what Paul Bear says in his face, and Cole, Michael Cole's putting over how just how dark Taker is now, and how much you know darker he is now that he's realigned with Bear. So it's kind of cool. And then yeah, the next night on Raw. Uh, Raw 285 um, on November 9th. The show opens with that match. X-Pac right. and Undertaker. I just thought it's amazing that these guys have been in the same company. Well, X-Pac left for a cup of coffee. Couple in years. But when he, yeah, but still, these guys were around the new generation era, and I don't remember us covering them interacting at all. I don't think so, and I don't know if they do in the future. I hope so, man, because they only wrestle for about a minute here, but I loved seeing Undertaker toss X-Pac around for a minute. He just heaves him into the corner and Xbox sells huge for him. Uh, I think oh, yeah. they I don't know if they ever did have an extended match, but they could have had some good chemistry together and Xbox to me is just super underrated anyway. I think it's he's long overdue for the Hall of Fame. He's a incredible performer and I just think incredibly underrated as well. So, hope to see him go in there one day. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know in two thousand one he got that Xbox heat, and it was sure. I, I, yeah. I even gave him that too. But, oh uh, no doubt. I was just. I mean, but looking back, man, I appreciate his whole entire body of work, man, from ninety two or whatever to to you know current stuff. I just he's he's great. Except for the X Factor, I don't appreciate that at all. Right. The faction, right. Uh, not the move. Exactly. The faction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, I, I appreciate all of it. So. Yeah, it's, it's weird, but yeah, like you said, matches like twenty seconds long or a minute. I don't even know. It's way short. But uh, Kane's music comes on, and he comes out, and you can tell he's got something going on in his his hand there. Yeah, uh, it, it's it, weird. It, it's weird. He's awkwardly holding his hand as, as he comes out. I thought he had his voice box in his hand at first, but he's got another different toy. <laughs> he keeps there. that in his waistband. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw that. <laughs> Should have known that. <laughs> Well, this sets up, and it's really awkwardly done once they get in the ring here, too. It, it, Undertaker is kind of holding X-Pac in front of him, and Kane stands there for a long time before finally throwing a fireball. And it, 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 they're trying to make it look like he's that Kane's trying to hit Undertaker, but ends up hitting X-Pac in the face instead. But the way that they do it, like Undertaker has to stand there forever holding X-Pac yeah, and it's just Kane. Just he aims it straight at X Pac. Man, they they can't frame it to where it looks like he's trying to hit Undertaker. It's supposed to be an accident, but it just doesn't come off all that well, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, again, man, they should just let the fire in the ring go because we had that you know snafu with 
Mankind and the it Flash Paper works. and stuff. Yeah, and obviously on WCW at Halloween Havoc just a week before this or whatever, two weeks before this. Oh, yeah. We had a horrible snafu with Hogan and, and oh, Warriors. Oh, God. <laughs> I should have learned from that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, but it doesn't – yeah, it hits X-Pac in the eye, I guess you could say. But um, I don't know. But the most notable thing for me I noticed in this whole thing is that um, Taker leaves up the ramp and Kane is pursuing him. And Taker is backing away off the rim. He's not walking up with Kane behind him. He's actually backing away. So kind of cowering. Like, I don't ever think we've seen him do that before. Um, I mean, even when he was starting out as a heel, you know, he never cowered from anybody. That was what set him apart from everybody else. So this is definitely a heel, you know, a heel guy. So. Yeah, yeah, he's playing into that like he never has, never has before. Uh, very interesting yeah. twist there. And I think we'll see some more of that <coughs> as we go forward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talked a little earlier. Speaking about going forward, Edge and the Brood with the Brood comes out with Kane, and, and so Edge is flanked by the Brood, and Kane is flanked by a gasoline and a blowtorch. So how's <laughs> that for a couple managers? But uh, yeah, later on, and this ends in the DQ and the Brood interferes. But I just want to say that you were talking about earlier about Austin, you know, trying to kill McMahon and like torture him and stuff, and he's the babyface. Well, here Kane lays the Brood. And a referee uh, on like in a pile in the middle of the ring and douses them with gasoline and is going to try to light them on fire and uh, the crowd is booing because they didn't get to see you know quadruple homicides. <laughs> this is weird. So we really should start making a tally of how many attempted murders we've seen because <laughs> yeah. there's some more coming up. <laughs> going oh yeah. Uh, well, re- we fully scratched the surface. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're getting some next month for sure. But um, immediately after this, Kane choke slams this quote unquote fan who looks like Brendan Fraser from Encino Man. I mean, he looks just like him. It might have it's been. An, it could have been, yeah. But um, yep, we got yeah. That's about it. So you got Deadly Games. Uh, you know, more set up for that and everything. And they're basically, in my opinion, setting up five believable winners with the stories they're telling. You got Austin Rock. Mankind, Kane, and Taker. Those are the only five that could possibly win this thing. <laughs> you don't think a real man's man, Steven Regal, had a chance? Nope. I love him. <laughs> nope. <laughs> or Al Snow or X-Pac. Gold Dust. Or Gold Dust. Or the mystery entrant we're going to yeah, find mystery out. mystery entrant, big boss man. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of what we're getting at here. Uh, again, we're talking Taker, but yeah, it's it's really... You mentioned the top five, but honestly, it really feels like Austin Rock and maybe Mankind. Maybe uh, Mankind, yeah. Taker and Kane are, are on a little bit. They're trying to build them up strong, but they definitely, I don't think anyone really predicted one of them really winning this. Uh, it feels like they're, no. they're, they're kind of on their own wavelength here with Kane trying to figure out who he is without Paul Bearer and Undertaker going back over to the dark side. But. They do set up everything pretty big here on the go home, sh- or well, not the go home show, the pre show on Heat before the pay per view. There's a great angle that closes that out where uh, Vince McMahon goes to the ring at the end of the show, calls out The Rock, calls out Stone Cold, calls out Shane McMahon, who has been reduced to being a referee at this point. The um, Undertaker and Paul Bearer come out as well, and then. Uh, Austin comes out, X-Pot comes out, everyone in the tournament comes out, and there's just an enormous Shame, wall yeah. to end up uh, Sunday Night Heat with everybody going crazy. Uh, and it ends up ending with 
the only person who hasn't come out yet, Kane, his lights go yep. off, Pyro hits, and he comes out and stares down the Undertaker. So they're the last two people we see going into the pay-per-view. So it, it does give them a, a big presence on there. But, yeah, it was a cool segment right here. It was cool. And, like, you know, I would have ordered this pay-per-view if I could have. Like, that was a great sell to me at the end there. But um, I just want to mention, too, one thing I had to mention. Is just it, go back and rewind this tape or on the network. Go to this episode of Heat and listen to the pop that Steve Austin gets when he comes out. You will never hear that again, ever. If we ever hear the fans like that again, it is crazy. It just stuck out to me a lot on this show. And I don't know why, because they're in St. Louis. I mean, St. Louis is wrestling town, but maybe it's because it's the beginning of the night. Technically, mm-hmm. it's heat, you know? So, mm-hmm. but then, because we'll, as we'll probably point out in a few minutes here, um, the crowd's getting a little, little tired by the end of the show. Like you mentioned a couple weeks ago, you know, now these heats are basically the pre-show and they got all these matches on them too. I think there are four matches on this night of in this episode of heat. Plus we're going to get another 14 matches on the pay-per-view. So it's a lot of, a lot of wrestling to sit through. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that most of them are under five minutes too. It's just the process of going through the entrances and trying yep, to get invested exactly. in each match and seeing these guys come out and you know, it, it does, it wears you out, dude. Uh, it's yep. a little bit too much of a good thing. Uh, and, and one of those matches on Heat, uh, another just a little interesting side note, this is the first time we ever see Bradshaw and Farouk together. Uh, they interrupt a match on here. Yeah, they got their acolyte. They, do they call them the acolyte? They do call them the acolytes, I think. I don't think they call them that on this. Because oh, okay. I know they're going to be with the Jackal at first. That's right. They're going to be the Jackalites before they That's become true. the Acolytes. I forgot that, man. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, they uh, come out. They got those weird symbols on their chest. Those yeah. matching pants now, and so yeah, they're. You know, we haven't mentioned them much in in the paper on this episode, on this talking taker at all in a while. So yeah, they kind of fell out of, of 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 the light and have come back together. And so yeah, they're going to play a big role in Undertaker's story going forward here. So yeah, that's why we want to drop that little nugget on you listeners. Here's their debut. So. Um, that brings us up to Survivor Series, man. Ready to talk about it? Yeah, speaking of nuggets, Survivor Series presented by <laughs> Nestle Crunch. It's just more fun to munch. Absolutely it is. Great tagline, man. <laughs> Great. Almost as Great good tagline. as wetter is better. But uh, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Almost. Dude, not what, quite, though. What are your feelings on Nestle Crunch? I uh, loved it as a kid. Couldn't pay me to eat one nowadays. Couldn't pay you to eat one. I mean, I'll take some money, I guess, but like, I don't really want it. That was, you were supposed to let me go with that. That was a hyperbole. It's okay. But sure. You might, so, any of you guys listening want to pay me to eat one, I'll eat it. But uh, I don't really care for it. There's something about the Rice Krispies in it. It doesn't click with me anymore. But as a kid, I would eat them all day. I think it's one of the ones that works better as like a, a mini size, like a fun size. <clears throat> I love... I wholeheartedly disagree. Oh, dude, I love a fun size crunch way more than a full size. Oh, man. I am the opposite. I love a full size. I do not like the small one. The ratio. You just said they couldn't pay you to eat it. No, I'm saying if I had to pick. As a kid, I'm going back to me in 1998 here. As a kid, I would love a full size one, but not a little one. The ratio is off, man, of chocolate and to... Crispies no, in my it, book. It's better as, as a mini. Well, I don't know. Agree to disagree. <laughs> but I, you're, you're, that, a crunch is kind of falling off. I, I can't remember yeah. the last time I've had a full size crunch bar. I've had oh, Snickers, had... Twigs. I had a crunch bar. A long full size. I probably didn't have any chest hair last time I ate one. Like, <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> my go to is Kit Kat. It's going to be my number one. 
so good. So yeah. good. So anyway, yeah, here we are <laughs> at the Keel Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Survivor Series, uh, no, November 15th, 98. So got JR and King on commentary. And this is the first Survivor Series to not feature a traditional Survivor Series match. So That's right. Every other one has, and I think 2002's doesn't either, but 2002 will have the um, Elimination Chamber. So, you know, this still has a Survivor-type gimmick, just like this one does. You know, yeah, this has a Deadly has Games it. tournament. It still falls in line with that, but there, there is something. I, mean, I hate when I don't have Survivor Series matches. They're just so fun, you know. Um, we've mentioned that time and time again as we've talked about Survivor Series. So, But anyway, I just one thing I want to say is this, this is the most, if not one of the... One of the most, if not the most, sports entertainment nights in the history of professional wrestling. I mean, I think that, say what you want about the matches being short or the Russo era and the Scratch TV, but this night and the story that they told um, and planted the seeds, you know, a month before or whatever, like, months before, is absolutely incredible to me. Like, the way they pulled it off is so, so good. And I know Taker and Kane only play a small role, but I just love the story that's told during this night. During this night. I agree 100%. This is, you could argue this is maybe Vince Russo's finest hour. Or I think it is, finest absolutely. three and a half hours. But that's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's so well done. It's so, yeah. it, and I'm sure he had a lot of help from Vince Man and Bruce Pritchard and, and other people on the creative team. But yeah, I mean, you can see his impact, his, his fingerprints all over this. And it's all the best aspects of it, all the best storytelling threads going through the night. And it's one of those things, man, especially going back with all the context that we've seen and just knowing the reasons why Big Boss Man does all the yes, different things that exactly. he does during the night. It's like when you go back and watch Breaking Bad or go back and watch Lost after you've or already Sixth seen Sense. it before. And you can see, oh, that's why I, I, I see where all this is happening now. You appreciate it yep. even more the second time around watching it. And yes, there are no five-star wrestling matches on this show. There's maybe not even any three-star Three, wrestling yeah. <laughs> matches on this show. And it's fine. You know, it's yeah. there, there. there's a story being told, and wrestling is the avenue for it. And it maybe drags the wrestling-wise at, at some parts to it, but... It, I was highly entertained watching this so much more than I've been by a lot of other pay-per-views that we've watched, especially recently. You know, the entire time, like you said, you know, there's like five-minute matches going through. You, you're on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the. There's no dead time on this show. They don't waste any time getting to the next thing. So yeah, it, it killed the live crowd. But going back and watching it, it's. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a fun show to go back and watch through. I definitely recommend if you haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it's a really fun one to revisit. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, like we said, Taker and Kane are going to kick off the second round here. They're they are the seventh match on the card, and it is only fifty three minutes into the show. <laughs> that is just nuts. You'd only have three matches nowadays um, in the back fifty three. Oh yeah. Well, plus with all the video packages and backstage shenanigans. But yeah, here there's not not a lot of backstage stuff on this episode. Which Russo was famous for, but there's not a lot on this. They had no time, you know? They didn't, no. Uh, so, yeah, do you want to recap kind of the first round real quick? To Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so Mankind defeats surprise entrant Dwayne Gill. So One of my Dwayne favorite Gill. Attitude Era moments. The Best friend of, of James Dwayne Ellsworth. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, Al Snow defeats Double J. Austin defeats Boss Man. 
Uh, Regal and X-Pac goes to a double countout, which means that Austin's going to get a bye in the quarterfinals. Shamrock beats Goldust, and The Rock beats Bossman again. So Bossman's in front first. The um, you know whatever the the what do you call it? The Ocho Finals? <laughs> What's before quarterfinals? The, the Octo Opening round. Uh, I'll call them the Octo Finals. Okay. So, anyway, Rock beats Bossman in probably the shortest match of all time. Um, although I will say The Rock and Eric Rowan may have been shorter than this. Right. So yeah. Rock Rock's all about having some short matches. <laughs> but um, yeah, and that's. Taker and Kane get that by, so yeah, um, yeah, it's weird. So, but yeah, that boss man rock match makes so much sense at the end of the night. Exactly, so. and and rock or boss man tossing rock the nightstick uh, later on in the night too. It all yep. it all comes together. Really incredible, incredibly well done here. Um, but yeah, Undertaker and Kane are going to kick off the second round. It, so Undertaker comes out first, and of course he's yeah. got Paul Bearer with him and Jr brings up a point as Kane comes out that this is the same building that Kane debuted in at, at, at the Hell in a Cell match last year. So yeah, I thought that was cool, man. Good on him for remembering that. I can't remember that Kane had a DNA test, but he remembers that from no, a year ago. So. that part. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it sounded familiar when I was, you know, go back and watch it. And then when he said that, I was like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. So, um, yep. Kane comes out second, which is weird. So, and you know, it's the standard, opening to a lot of Undertaker matches that we've seen. They, he goes back and forth with Kane in the corner. They trade offense in the corner, and, uh, you know, they're continuing to be each other's equals. Kane takes Undertaker down with a big boot, and Undertaker sits up from that, uh, and then they do a good bit of fighting around on the outside as well. Oh, yeah, a lot of outside <clears throat> fighting. Um, and you can see Taker limping again. You mentioned a couple you know, episodes ago, he's got that groin pull and that, you know, busted ankle back at Hell in a Cell and stuff. So you can tell him, you can see him limping here. But um, he drops Kane's throat over the guardrail, slams him into the stairs, and then they go back in the ring. And he he has a new move here. So we, we, in the recent months, we've seen a Russian leg sweep, which, what makes it Russian? Is there a regular leg sweep? I guess one of the uh, one of the Russians invented it, but yeah, okay. there's got to be an American leg sweep, maybe, <laughs> yeah. a, maybe a Bosnian leg sweep. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Who knows? But anyway, we've seen that. We've seen this UFC leg maneuver he's doing, and now he's got a whole new move where he kind of cranks the arm like an arm wrench, and then he just – it's like a high leg lariat while he's holding Kane's arm and, like, kicks him in the head. It was the craziest thing, especially if you got a groin injury. So Being back with Paul Bear has just reinvigorated yeah, him, dude. Absolutely. So he's kicking high in the head. So it was weird, man. But – um. It's back and forth, and then Taker's working the leg, grapevine on the leg, and Paul Bear is just loving seeing his son get beat up inside the ring, which is just crazy. So, Paul Bear, um, the most evil man alive. Yeah. The highlight of this past year of podcasting for me. Uh, oh, yeah. Taker gets that leg lock that he's been using the past few months on, uh, holds that for a while on Kane, works over his knee. And then in my notes, I just wrote the next section of the match – Punch, kick, no sell. Punch, kick, no sell. Punch, kick, no sell. Punch, kick, no sell. Just back and forth. This is not the best Undertaker and Kane match. It is not the best Undertaker match. It is not the best match I've ever seen in my life. That's what I'll say about it. A lot of punching and kicking and no selling. Yeah, it's like when you first start playing on like No Mercy or SmackDown vs. Raw and you don't know how to play. You start banging buttons and just punching each mm-hmm. other. So. 
Well, in fact, my little caveat here, my son and I hooked up the Wii the other day, and I have Raw vs. SmackDown 2009 my wife got like a year ago. Ooh. And we started playing it. I've never played it on the Wii. Except I played it, I played it with you and, and Jay maybe years ago. Maybe, yeah. But anyway, my son picked Undertaker. And Ooh. I I picked Kane and he beat me three times in a row. Which how <laughs> how about that? <laughs> how about it? So, <laughs> anyway, but um, you said something about not my favorite match or anything, but my favorite move in the match is when after all that punching and kicking, Kane grabs the top rope and like kangaroo hops over it. Yeah, he doesn't step over. It. He jumps over it like a cruiserweight, <laughs> lands on the apron, and then he goes to the top rope and. Oh, hits his um diving clothesline, I think. Yeah. Yep. But top he, rope clothesline, always good. Why does he hop like that? <laughs> he, he he's been training. He, he's going after the championship. He's got. Some, he's unchained. He's, he's untethered, unchained. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. Uh, oh, it's crazy. So he hits that, and then Kane uh, also hits a choke slam and and does the throat slash, much like his brother would be famous for. And this is where Paul Bearer jumps up. With the distraction, uh, distracting Kane, uh, which allows Undertaker to hit a tombstone, one tombstone. Yes. And as he goes for the pin, Paul Bearer goes down outside the ring and holds Kane's legs down uh, outside the ring for the Undertaker to get the three count in just <laughs> over seven minutes after yeah. one tombstone. I mean, I know Paul Bearer was holding the leg, but as we've seen here, it used to take three to put Kane down after a much more grueling match. And now that's it. He's out of the tournament yeah. after one tombstone. Is that kangaroo hot, man. Took it all out of it him. Did. Dude, yeah, he did. Yeah, wasted his, his energy. <laughs> yeah. Brought his energy bar down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it was strange, fairly underwhelming. And I wrote this, oh, their, yeah. their, in my opinion, their worst match yet. But Taker immediately powders out of the ring and just is up the aisle way with Bear, just on to the next thing. So it's not even a big deal anymore when he beats his brother. So <laughs> No, but, but apparently, while they're showing the replay, JR says that Kane hit the referee with a choke slam, uh, but we don't, they don't end up showing that to oh, us. Oh, okay. But he does mention that on commentary that Kane's frustrated about it. And, you know, it's kind of crazy, man. They've fought four times now i think and kane has still not defeated his brother which yeah is wild you know it's still as over and as important kane is undertaker has defeated him every single time yeah the guy's number you know like i i mentioned before we started recording that he beat him kane beat undertaker in that tag match they had but it was like a you know they were in collusion or cahoots or whatever so that one doesn't we won't count that one that one has an asterisk by it but um yeah one-on-one man he can't get the job done against his older brother which was true about me my brother's way bigger than me so i would lose to him <laughs> but these guys are evenly matched so it kind of is kind of a shame so we'll have to wait till 2010 to get to that yes so. <laughs> well, we don't have to wait for paul bearer to cut a promo later on in the show though that he just short and sweet there's like you said there's not a lot of backstage stuff but paul bearer cuts like a 10 second promo saying that uh well uh, never mind i'll talk about that we got to talk about who he's facing first so oh okay yeah <clears throat> so mankind beats al snow and the rock beats ken shamrock so basically that means that rock's gonna face taker in the semifinals and uh, mankind's gonna face austin so mankind defeats austin when shane actually reveals himself to be on vince's side this whole entire time Shane gives him the middle finger, which are blurred on the network for some reason. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not advocating to see them or anything, but like it's pay-per-view. Exactly. They showed, 
all kind of stuff on that. So, yeah, it was weird. So, until uh, so the next match is going to be Undertaker versus Rock. I think this is where you were headed with this comment from Paul Bear. Yeah, Paul Bear does cut a quick promo backstage saying, The only rock that my Undertaker likes is a nice piece of cold, hard granite that he turns the manes of his victims on. Tonight, my female will walk out of this building as the WWF. <laughs> so, not only does Undertaker make his own caskets, yeah. he, he carves the granite for the tombstones as well. Ooh. When does this guy ever sleep? Uh, he doesn't. Well, apparently he's, not. He sleep when he's dead. And he's dead, so he doesn't he's sleep. Always there dead. you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he should always be sleeping. He should always be sleeping. <laughs> by, that, by that logic. <laughs> oh, close the show. Close the show, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. That's over. Off. We're done. He's here. asleep. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. So, yeah. We're going to have Undertaker versus Rock here. We talked about their match you know, on last week's episode with Rock beats him. But um, here we are the first time ever on pay-per-view. So they'll have a few more encounters as we cover here on this um, podcast. So Taker comes out first again. So Interesting there. Uh, more interesting to me is there's some great cosplay in the crowd in the front <laughs> row. There's Kane. There's Goldust. Uh, no Undertaker that I saw. But there's a dude in a – they show him on camera a lot – He's in a chef's outfit for The Rock. Like, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Oh, they, they zoom in on him like three <laughs> times during this show. Man, mm. I want to find that guy. I want to interview him. Oh yeah, if we can find out who that is, please let us know. If you're listening to this, or if you are friends with that guy, let us know who the chef guy was in oh, the front yeah. row. Um, yeah, man, it's cool. And I just want to say too, like The Rock is 26 years old here. Wow, 26, dude. It's wild. That's crazy. Oh, man. I'd almost have my first kid by then. It was nuts, man. <laughs> so Actually, I had had my first Yeah, because he'll be six soon. So anyway, yeah, that's crazy. Rock is so young here to see how fast he's going gotten, he's gotten to rise. Because he's only been in company for two years. Exactly. He debuted at Survivor Series two years ago, didn't he? 96? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And now he's going to have his crowning moment at this Survivor Series. Yeah, which is weird to me because Austin, you know, was started wrestling like '89, I think, and it took him, you know, nine years to win the title. And here's Rocky, uh, two years down the road. <laughs> so, yeah, very similar to Undertaker, who won true a year after debuting as well. Yeah. So kind of great that they're going after each other, and they do go right after each other to start. Man, I you yeah. can tell they're already kind of trying to condense things on this show because they just go yeah. right after each other. And then, of course, they go fighting outside again. Undertaker <laughs> and Rock start fighting outside. <sighs> yeah, they do. And um, Rock starts laying in some big-time right hands, JR says. So I'm not sure what's different between those and regular-time right hands. But I don't know. But um, he throws Taker in the barricade. And last time these two met, like I said, Rock pinned Taker on Raw. And it's back and forth in the corners. And th- this match is definitely like a couple young kids playing their first game of, on in 64, because there's so much Irish whipping and so much punching. <laughs> it's like if you and I set our wives down to play a, game, a wrestling game on PlayStation. Lot this is what of, match you'd get. A lot of choking as well, yeah. choking on the ground. and Yeah, it's it's not, not the most well-worked match. Again, this is the second, really the second match for both guys. They both, uh, Rock barely wrestled against right. Big Boss Man. So, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Rock ends up getting his arms tied up in the ropes, and Undertaker hammers him as Hebner 
the referee <laughs> he counts to two and then just stops counting at, at some yeah. point. I think the announcers Which, are talking like, oh, well, they're, they're not going to count them out. No disqualification. It's too important for that here. It, yeah, remember that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, yeah, Rock dumps, dumps Taker over the outside, and he hits him in the head with a bottle of water. He grabs it from the <laughs> announce table, which I just wrote. It's like something you and I would have done in our matches we used to have, and we used to film we hit each other with a bottle of water. <laughs> well, then Paul Bear uses his favorite weapon, the, <gasps> the shoe yes. of doom, pulls off his loafer and whacks, uh, <laughs> whacks the rock with it while uh, the ref is distracted with Undertaker. <laughs> Signature move. So good, man. The loafer to the face, man. And, um, yeah, as they're brawling outside in the people, as JR says, um, Hebner doesn't count them out for some reason. Again, it's their commentary is like, gonna let it go, we're gonna let it go, no DQ and no count outs, yada yada, all stuff. So, anyway, getting back after the loafer to the face, Taker misses a stinger splash, and we get this, you know, what nowadays you'd call the Yabu slugfest, like in the middle of the ring, but in 98 it wasn't really a thing, so uh, all the smart marks hadn't taken in that Yabu <laughs> stuff yet. But, um, you basically get that, and, um, yeah, heading to, toward the finish from here. So, Yeah, uh, the big boss man ends up making his way out to the ring yet again. We've seen him a lot during this night. <laughs> yeah, uh, so much. He, uh, the Rock gets his signature DDT on The Undertaker, then hits a crotch shot on The Undertaker while Earl Hebner is yeah. distracted by Paul Bearer. Uh, then The Rock... Does the body slam, is going to go for the people's elbow, but Big Boss Man ends up tripping up the rock, which allows Undertaker to take over. Uh, Undertaker nails the Big Boss Man, though, distracted by him, which lets the rock get back up. And Undertaker holds him off with a choke, and then this allows Kane to come out. Yeah, Taker has him by the choke for a long time. Like I was wondering, I was like, because I didn't remember how this match ended, and I was like, why is he choking him for so long? I guess maybe because the ref is kind of out. I don't know. So, But it, it makes sense here because you see Kane run in, and uh, he comes in, and he chokeslams. I guess uh, Undertaker kind of tosses Rock into Kane, right? And then Rock gets a chokeslam. So Rock wins by disqualification at about 8 minutes and 23 seconds. So... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's that. Not a five-star classic by any means, but again, that's the story of this pay-per-view is every match is a piece of this greater puzzle leading to the big corporate conspiracy that we see unveiled in the main event. And Undertaker and Paul Bearer and Kane, they're all just pawns in that puzzle, pawns that Mr. Man is using in this chess match as I continue to talk about different games as we talk about the deadly <laughs> game and mix up my metaphors but yeah nothing special when you take these matches out of context but as part of the greater story excellent awesome. storytelling yeah and yeah again rock wins by DQ which is what Hebner wouldn't ever call during yeah. the match a DQ is just and so after the match is over Taker immediately punches Hebner in the face and I would have I would have too because his officiating was absolute crap so um then Taker and Kane brawl into the audience of course it's attitude area gotta go to the audience and um there's this I just want to say there's this lady and she's rocking all denim like denim pants denim shirt everything man and she loves Kane and Taker. She is cheering and she's like, yeah, yeah, patting them both in the back and everything. And she is she is going all out for some Kane and Taker, man. She's loving them. Well, I asked on Twitter if anyone of our followers were there that, that 
that lady didn't respond, but maybe she's out there listening somewhere. Maybe it's Lou oh. Jane. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, <laughs> Lou Jane, that's you. Let us know. Loving Absolutely. the fashion. Oh, it's so good, man. It's definitely like St. Louis for sure. So St. <laughs> Louis strong. Down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, like you said, this entire show was one big payoff uh, of a storyline. Again, spoiler alert if you guys don't know, The Rock wins at the end. They basically redo the Montreal screw job a year later. Um, Vince for the is, first time. You know, we've seen it redone a million times since then. But here it was novel and interesting yeah. to see it redone. Which, yeah, it was. And again, on Heat, Vince had another one of his guarantees. He guaranteed this would be a Survivor Series that you will never forget. And you know what? Dagum, he's right. I'll never forget this night, this show. Um, really great. Again, not not great matches for Taker here. But um, long story short, again, Rock's winning the title. He's turning heel again. And uh, he's going to be the corporate champion. So, yeah, that's it. So... That's that for the Deadly Game. Uh, we appreciate y'all joining us and for double trouble episode, double the pleasure, double the fun here, uh, talking about two Undertaker matches in one. And next week's episode is going to be a little bit of a detour uh, because we are currently planning. Uh, we could change things up here. Well, we haven't watched it yet, but right now the plan is to cover... The Undertaker's next journey across the pond for the Capital Carnage 1998 pay-per-view. A match I've never seen and I know probably Me a lot neither. of our listeners have never seen here. A fatal four-way match involving The Undertaker battling for the WWF title. But we said we're going to cover all of Undertaker's pay-per-views and we don't want the UK folks to feel left out. So we're going to explore that one, review that one, see where it falls into the line of The Undertaker's story. And then we'll follow that up with an episode covering In Your House Rock Bottom 1998 as we close out this huge year in The Undertaker's career. Uh, right now we're planning on doing separate episodes for those. Uh, we, there's a chance we may end up combining them, but right now we'll of course let you know everything on social media, on all our Talking Taker channels. But that's the plan right now if you want to follow along with us and check out that match. And yeah, of course... We, we'd love for you to follow along everywhere and subscribe and join us as we keep rolling, rolling, rolling until the last ride. Yeah, so many Undertaker puns right there. Absolutely. Um, did you say you had some Twitter stuff you wanted to say? Yeah, I did. A couple guys uh, reached out and said they were at Survivor Series 98. Nothing real, but uh, at Doc Whiskey on Twitter, Ryan Emnett said that he was there, but main things he remembers were uh, the Hardys being in a dark match that night, which is pretty cool, which is great. An another match uh, that against yeah. Whatnot Heat, a dark match. Uh, the Rock beating Big Boss Man in four seconds. He said he remembers a gigantic multi-row fan sign for the New Age yeah. Outlaws. That and, was cool. uh, of course, the big turn at the end as well. Those were his most memorable memories, which, again, just goes to show you that the Undertaker's matches not super memorable or exciting right. here but uh part of the greater story and uh our buddy don hyman was there but uh, he didn't tell me Whoa. anything he remembered about it maybe he'll shout us out and let us know something we can put on the next episode but apparently he was there too and uh anyone else who was there feel free to reach out as well absolutely if you were there a year after almost a year and some change after uh hell in a cell last year or whatever it's called what's it called hell in a cell what was it called last year bad blood Bad blood, bad blood. Yeah, excuse me. 
it's a little bit late now at night. So um, anyway, um, yeah, if you guys were there in St. Louis, let us know. And uh, other than that, take her easy. Feast your eyes on this, man. You can have your pick of any one of these holes, man. What you think? I know what you do. Any one, I'd throw the whole group oh. at him. Okay, wait a minute. Wait what? a minute. Wait a minute now. What do you mean you know what I wait do? Wait a minute. I know I'll what tell you, do. you what, man. Oh, wait, I'll tell you what. They say you're a dead man. I don't think everything's dead, but if it is, these girls will. Whoa! Oh, look out! Well, I guess the Undertaker had his answer. And now, hammering away 